Welcome to episode number 15 of our podcast series, The Paper Trail, from the Netherlands Journal of Geosciences. My name is Henk Kombrink, and in my position as the editor-in-chief, I'm asking authors of papers published in our journal about the highlights of their research, but also the driving forces behind performing the study. Just to make research papers more accessible and giving authors a platform to tell a bit more what goes on behind the scenes of writing scientific papers. Today, I'm talking to Jelle Heere from Leiden and Utrecht Universities. Jelle and co-authors recently published a paper in our journal about the discovery of a turtle mandible in the Cretaceous um, of the Maastricht area. The title of their paper is The First Report of Geloneoidea C.F. Tenochelis from the late Cretaceous of the Maastrichtian type area. Welcome, Jelle. Hi, welcome. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be part of this. Excellent. That's good to hear, Jelle. And I am honored to have you. Uh, today, I, I think it's it's really nice, especially for young uh, researchers, to to be on the podcast. Uh, so let let's set the scene a bit, uh, Jelle. Uh, you are a, a master student, and you're affiliated to Leiden and Utrecht universities. Yeah. So um, I am uh, 22 at the moment. I am going into my last year of my master's uh, evolutionary biology at uh, Leiden University and this uh, this project was uh, basically an expansion of my bachelor project which I did with uh, Utrecht University and the Oogtijd uh, Museum in Voxel so that's that's the the dual affiliations that I have there so yeah uh, so your bachelor uh, research wa was on this very topic as well, you were saying? Yeah, so I, w I was tasked with uh, describing and identifying this mandible and then uh, in collaboration with the, the, the co-authors, uh, we made a publication about it uh, and we uh, published it in the Netherlands Journal of Geosciences because we felt it was um, thematic because obviously the area and yes and it's been a a site where many of the the papers surrounding the cretaceous area of the maastrichtian has been described so yeah excellent uh, just about you being a paleontologist wh wh when did you um when did you decide to become one well that that is quite a <laughs> funny story um, I, I realized quite quickly that uh, evolutionary biology was my passion uh, and, and in the past I'd, I'd been a massive fan of dinosaurs and the such and, and fossils but I, I never really thought that it could actually be a profession until I just sort of stumbled across um, the vacancy, the position at the Utah Museum when looking for internships and I decided to go there and I found how how enjoyable it was and I practically instantly wanted to start. So excellent. And, and, and was that whilst you were studying 
uh, biology already, or, or, or um, yes, that was, was in, it before? Uh, that was back in uh, in Utrecht when I was looking for an internship to finish my uh, finish my thesis and stuff. I see, I see. And are you still working at the Utrecht Museum? Um, well, not as of yet, but uh, I will probably be going back there for a second project, also about the uh, Maastrichtian type area. Um, but that's something I'm working out right now with Jonathan. So, I see. But that might be in the near future. Yes. That's a, that's good to have a bit of a background, uh, Jelle. Thanks for that. Uh, let's dive a bit uh, more into into your uh, your project just now. Um, so you you are describing a, a, a turtle a mandible. We will talk about that a, a bit uh, in in a minute. But can you explain a bit about the the Cretaceous seas? How did they look like at the time? Because the turtle lived during the the latest Cretaceous. How how do we need to picture the environment at the time? Yeah, so um, the Maastrichtian at the time, which it's it's obviously named after Maastricht. This is the type area uh, where it was first studied and designed. It's basically the area leading up to uh, the time era leading up to the extinction of the dinosaurs, and mm -hmm. it was defined by a gradually warming sea because of some uh, acting volcanism. Uh, and in the Netherlands specifically, uh, it was quite a shallow water basin. Uh, and there were a lot, of, we found a lot of vertebrate fossils, uh, things like mosasaurs, uh, several turtles, now obviously a new one with this publication, uh, also some plesiosaurs. Uh, and for the rest, we tend to find a lot of seagrass fossils. This was one of the most, one of the earliest, most extensive seagrass habitats uh, on the planet. That's interesting because, to me, if I picture the the late Cretaceous seas, like like the North Sea area, I picture a, a very well, a fairly shallow sea, very clear water. And uh, I imagine all these coccoliths uh, trickling down into uh, onto the ocean floor, but uh, there was actually a lot of seagrass just waving about. Yes, yes, it's 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 quite interesting because it defined like the entire uh, turbidity of the system, and and we're still not sure how many species there were and how that influenced the ecosystem. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was. That's why it's such an interesting area because we don't know exactly what ecosystems this housed and what if there were any vertebrates that fed on these these sea grasses and stuff like that. So that's still very interesting for future study. Uh, because the the sea grass in particular, the, the the sea grass itself has not really been fossilized, hasn't it? No, we have some fossils of the stems, I believe and like very, very few fossils of the leaves itself, which makes it difficult to identify them. Right, okay. But there are like, there's a lot of fossils of the stems in particular. Okay, so that, that is that is in a way something that is well known. Yeah, so somehow I, I had in my mind, it's a very, very, a, a bit of a barren sea floor, but it was 
all but barren. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's 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 right. We don't we don't know much about it, and there's been uh, like an inflow of publications yeah. uh, on this seagrass, and I think it's really interesting. Okay. Nice. Uh, so so these um, so you are describing in 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 the paper. Uh, amendable. Can you explain a bit what what amendable is for those who are not so familiar with that? So a mandible is the lower jaw, um, which in humans the mandible only consists of one bone, uh, which is the dentary. But in other animals like turtles, uh, it consists of several bones, uh, like the angular and the surangular. Um, and right now, uh, this fossil is only the dentary so it's the the front part of the turtle mandible and you for for your imagination you could hold it in in one hand that's about the size it the fossil was right and and, and did you find it yourself or was it found by by someone else it was found by uh by uh, uh arno savokal which is uh, a very uh, well. He's he's. I wouldn't call him an amateur paleontologist anymore because he's grown to be an expert in this stuff. But he loves interacting with the museums, and he donated this uh, this object to the museum, which we kindly thank him for, which allowed us to study it uh, and make a publication about it. But he found it in uh, in 2016 before. Um, before the the quarries back in uh, in like the NC Heidelberg cement group closed down, right? And and it was just hidden in a in a big piece of chalk, or how do I need to kind of picture that? Yeah, it was it was uh, a sizable piece of chalk. I don't I don't know the exact situations of the finding location, sadly, but uh, it was a big piece of chalk that uh, back when uh, like free digging was allowed and he found it uh, he prepared it himself and he donated it to the museum excellent uh, and he donated it to the Urtaid museum in, in Boxtel yes yes right okay yeah and, and so so you got access to the mandible how, how did you then go and, and, and find out what genus does this mandible actually belonged to? Uh, how, how do you go about that? Yeah, so for for the first part, it was mostly just uh, looking at all all bunch of different mandibles from many species, uh, not even just narrowing myself down to the time frame, just to get a glimpse of what, what the diversity there is, what sort of traits I could expect. And then narrow down some potential candidates, and then I, I ended up with some four candidates that closely resembled it, which I also included in the in the figure in the pub publication. And then it was a more closer look, maybe also with the microscope and doing some some reconstruction um, reimagination to sort of complete the picture. And that's how we ended up with a pretty a pretty solid uh, determination on what genus this this turtle was. Only we we weren't able to find any specific apomorphies, which uh, apomorphies are 
uh, traits that are unique to a certain group. So in, in order to doubtlessly define one genus, you need to have an apomorphy because otherwise it can be other ge genera. And there were no apomorphies described in the mandible of uh, Tenochelis, which we found it to be uh, most similar to. So yeah, we couldn't definitely pin it down on one genus, but we ended up going for uh, Tenochelis, which is a, a genus known from uh, the late Cretaceous, uh, Campanian, but also Maastrichtian in uh, in Germany. So that it it obviously aligns a bit in the picture of it easily having been able to migrate to um, the Maastrichtian type area. Yes. So in that sense, it it is uh, not a too um, a daring <laughs> conclusion. No, it's not that out of the blue. No. No. <laughs> so, but is it is it is it common to to have a, a, a fossil without these unique traits that that allow you to definitely point a finger to what it is, or or, or does that not happen very often? Well, that's 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 kind of a quirk of uh, publication because obviously the things that are most interesting, the giant fossils with a lot of bones, those get published. Yeah. quicker and those receive more attention and those will obviously have something that defines them but a small fossil like this it's it's a lot harder and those publications might not always come through in the bigger journals because they're not interesting enough because you can't get a definitive name on them uh, so so you are saying if you, you you can give it a definite name then it becomes ultimately more interesting for the bigger journals, isn't it? <laughs> yes, then, then then you'll have like a nature or science type of story uh, which will travel all across the world and, and, and something like this, which is just like we, we are quite certain we've identified it to the correct genus. We don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Tenochelis, but with the way that identifying these things work, we don't have a definitive name on it. Yeah, uh, it it has a lot less bang, so yes. to say. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> Yet the the paper is is a geo impulse, so it it has generated a bit of a bang <laughs> in our magazine yes. at least. <laughs> yes, which which I'm very glad of because it <laughs> it is still interesting because it's 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 a species that we didn't know before in yeah. the uh, in this specific area. So yes, indeed. So, yeah, coming to that, so this is a new species. How, how Did it look very different from the other turtles that were already known from the area? Yeah, so we have, um, we have in total three turtles that are known from this area beforehand of publishing. And the first one is a very well-described one. It's uh, Allopleuron Hofmanni. And uh, that one it had well-described jaws and it looked very different. The jaws had like this, this much more uh, accentuated ridges in the middle. Um, and it, it's in general much larger. Uh, and for the other ones, uh, those sadly didn't have uh, jaw fossils described okay. to them. So we couldn't compare them directly. 
which is also a challenge we ran into. But given the fact that it was so similar to Tenochelis and that in size it was much smaller than the fossils of uh, the other two turtles, we decided to put the name on Tenochelis because that it just made a lot more sense. Yeah. And 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 how big was this turtle? How how do I imagine that? So um, the 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 dentary itself, so that that front part of the of the mandible that was some yeah in length from front to back, it was some. 30, 40 millimeters. So mm-hmm. it was quite tiny. Yeah. Um, but speaking about the the entire animal, well, you'll you'll probably be speaking of something that is about a meter tall. Okay. Still quite a sizable one then. Yes, but for uh, for sea turtles, at least of of what we know around the Maastrichtian type area, we rarely find uh, sea turtles that small because they tend oh. to be like upwards of like two meters even. We've we've never found uh, juveniles, which are uh, like younger individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, which this this wasn't a younger individual, uh, but it was notably smaller than all the other fossils we found in the area. Right. Okay, so that's interesting. It's it's quite a small <laughs> a small one you've added to the to the list. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Which also puzzled me at some point because I was at first convinced that this must be a baby, right? Uh, but then we uh, we ran into some uh, characteristic which would allow to identify the younger individuals of the genus Tenochelis, which uh, we pinned on it. And it didn't have those characteristics, so we knew for certain that this had to be an adult and just a very small one. Okay. And um, so you are you are saying this uh, genus is known from from Germany. Um, is it known from 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 other places in in Northwest Europe, or or is it is it quite specific to to uh, to only this part of the world? Yeah, so um, it's from the from the same area. It's been, also been found in the U.S., which uh, is interesting because the U.S., uh, like the Cretaceous seas, there tend to mirror uh, the Maastrichtian seas uh, with a lot of the the mosasaurs as well. And there's there's a bunch of theories on how these these fauna migrated across the open ocean. Uh, but a lot additionally, it has also like tentatively uh, been assigned across the boundary, the KPG boundary, the extinction event of the dinosaurs and the mosasaurs uh, in Denmark. But that was only based on some uh, skills from the shell, uh, which weren't able to give uh, a definitive name. Okay. So, but it, it you're saying it, it, since it also, so, but it was found in the U.S., so it is it is then li- quite likely that it also must have been in Denmark at some point. 
Yes, that is like I I don't know the entire um, geography of if of whether Denmark was below sea level. I assume so. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. But whether because this is a coastal animal, so yeah. if Denmark wasn't near the coast, then it might not have been. But as the coast migrated after the KPG event, uh, it's it's it might be the reason why it only shows up there after the yeah. extinction events. Yeah. And 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 so this extinction event, uh, like you said, it killed the dinosaurs, the mosasaurs, but. It, it did not affect the, the turtles as such. Uh, that's that's an interesting one because uh, there's like uh, where obviously the mosasaurs and all the non-avian dinosaurs they all went extinct as a group. Um, there is a bunch of discussion within the turtles which which groups went extinct because these turtle fossils tend to be a lot rarer. Um, and there are some groups that we think went extinct and other groups that we think didn't go extinct, but then later turn out to maybe still have survived the boundary. But okay. with those changing uh, changing temperatures and migrating coastlines, the habitat was quite unstable. So Yeah, so you are saying it was actually the, the paleo-environmental conditions that changed to an extent in the paleogene that that made the habitats a, a lot less favorable for for these turtles yes because um we well we obviously don't have much on open sea turtles because they don't fossilize all too well because the open sea is yeah. a whole other ecosystem with a whole bunch of different uh, variables but we have the idea that the open sea turtles started becoming more prevalent after the extinction event as opposed to the coastal turtles ah right so th that is something to to be aware of then so so the turtle you found was a, a, a coastal yes. turtle instead not an open sea turtle yes yeah and, and what is the what is the 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 difference between the two uh, do they, they, yeah, so they've got different diets, etc. And they, yeah, can you can you kind of illustrate that a bit? Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because during the like uh, turtles that are, are alive today, they differ between having coastal ecology and open sea ecology, like during their life, um, and their diet changes during their life, which makes it very hard to identify the ecology of a turtle fossil okay. and we sort of always have to link it back to the present which is confusing and very complex which is why there's been a lot of debate but the, the okay. current idea is that a lot of the turtles around the time used to only inhabit the shores right okay now oh, it, it is interesting to be aware of that distinction because i I am not a specialist at all, and uh, for me, a turtle is a turtle. But uh, it's 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 good to be aware that there's a clear distinction between coastal and more open marine ones. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a it's a very different lifestyle, and also requires yeah. a different build of body in the shell and the and the flippers and and stuff like that. 
I see. Yeah, no, that that's not a surprise in a way. So Jella, um, you've the, 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 this this fossil was found in the in the NC quarry. Um, now that the quarry is closed, how do you see the kind of the future of, of research on this front? Is there still access to outcrops that will enable you to continue this type of research and continue to find fossils of this kind? Yeah, I, I will say it's a real bummer that the that the quarry has been closed, but uh, there I've I've heard there are talks about maybe opening it up for research again. But if if the situation doesn't change, that means we be we have to do with what's still lying around that hasn't been described in 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 museums and personal collections. Yeah. And we might never get the fullest picture we want. Mm. But uh, across the border in Belgium, there are quarries that are still open, which contain a lot of the same fossils. Right. So the the story isn't finished. We're still we're still working on it. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, and so and I also understood that 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 this paper you you published is is the, is the first one um, of your record. Uh, can you tell us how, how did it go? Was the process smooth, or or, or or was there a lot to learn? Yeah, it was it was quite quite the eye opener. I um, at school obviously they try and prepare you for publishing, but it's it's a lot more different when you go to a journal because every journal has their own demands and their own uh, instructions and. Um, also their own formats and what they think is interesting and what needs to be in the text and how the figures need to look. And that was that was sort of an eye opener that I had to transition from my my school mode where everything was the exact same and made the teachers happy to uh, thinking about like, what do I need to include being critical and, and the co-authors, which are much more experienced in this field, really helped me with that. Yes. So, so it was new to you, but uh, you, you got a, a fair amount of help to enable you to do this in, in still in a in a smooth way, I hope. <laughs> yes, and it, I, I must say it, it was obviously a lengthy process, but I was incredibly satisfied when we got it online and I started I started seeing some reactions and and I was able yep. to show it to people. Excellent, that's great. Um, I think we are close to half an hour now, so yeah, I, th I think we, we have uh, hopefully um, showcased the highlights of your of your uh, research, and, and I definitely learned quite a lot about what you've done. Thanks for publishing in our journal, um, and, and I hope to to uh, to receive more publications of in your name. Yeah, I I hope so too. It was it was a joy and, and, and I'm glad to hear you learned more about turtles because they're very interesting. Exactly, definitely. <laughs> so um, thanks again, Jelle, for taking out uh, time of your day today and talk about your research project. Um, this was episode number 15 of the Paper Trail. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>